Yo, what's up, my people? Today's show is going to be a little bit different because it's the last day that Skylar Warwick is going to be here in Utah with us and she will be missed, but she is going to be hosting the show. So she doesn't want to say what's up. So I said, what's up? Can you say a what's up as well? What's up, Natum's people? Today on this latest episode of Kickback with Natum, we are doing things a little bit differently. We've got Natum in the hot seat. He's taking questions from fans. He's taking questions from me. You're going to learn all about who the man behind the mic is. Okay, cool. Welcome to the show. I don't know if you know already, but we have social media and we would love it if you reached out there. This is Skylar's main point of contact in there. So the handle is kickback underscore Nadem and that's on Instagram and on Twitter. Realize that we do appreciate you and I do respond on Instagram. If you want to say something, I will be there. If you're going to be on Twitter, Ryan might forward it on to me. Yeah. But anyway, like I say, today is a very special and sad show because it's Skylar's last show but she's trying to go back to Texas and do some type of podcast hosting. So she's going to take the lead on today's show. Isn't that right, Skylar? I mean, we can only hope. Hope for what? That you don't take over. That you don't? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I won't won't be taking over this show. This is Skylar's show, okay? And I'm going to be today's guest. And please don't be too harsh on her, but make sure you reach out to us on social media, like I say. And never forget, never, ever, ever, ever forget that you should subscribe as well. And speaking of things never to forget, you can find links to the kickback playlist in the show notes, okay? So I'm going off the cuff here. I apologize if it sounds a bit wild and reckless, but again, I'm not going to sit back as Skylar Warwick takes control. So please enjoy my conversation with myself. You mean my by... conversation with Nada. There we go. Let's do this. Come on, let's go. Okay, so week after week, you bring people on your show. You try check to, it. You to. check in on them. Try see to, how yeah. they're doing. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? How are oh. you doing with the current climate of current events happening around the club, happening around the world and the country? Like, how how are you actually doing? And don't give me any of that PR. Put your book away. <laughs> Put my book away. Your no, PR book. You just yeah. told me you were like well trained. No, so. no. I, le- I leave the book at stadiums and training grounds. I don't okay. really take outside of that. Okay, um, well. How am I feeling? Um, it's a good question because there's, there's obviously a lot going on at the club and just in the world in general and even being as a foreigner in the USA during election year and stuff like this. Like, There's so many things which I'm learning about. And, you know, at times it's stressful, but everyone's in a similar sort of situation, you know. Like you can't ever think that your troubles are just far greater than everybody else's. And you won't, there's not a lot of sympathy to be had out here if you tell people the tale of what's gone wrong in your life. So I'm just doing my, I'm just doing my absolute best to try and, you know, be as positive as possible sprinkled with a hint of like realism in there as well and just know that you know things things at some point will get better i'm not sure how exactly but things will get better and i'm just going to try and do everything i can to try and speed up the process and if if it works then great because then my environment around me is one which i can certainly live in but you know if it's to be as wild as it has been for the previous six seven months then you know at least i'm surrounded by good people who help us get through it well how do you balance all of that you've got You've got your playing career happening. Mm-hmm. You've got family at home. You've got your massively popular podcast. Oh, it's huge. How do you going, how do you yeah. find the balance between all the social issues, family, professional career, podcast? All all these things are swarming around in your life. Um, that's it's not to be honest. It's just life, isn't it? You know, like you can say you, you just compartmentalized all those different things, but they all are under, under the same umbrella. It's just life, like people do things socially people have work you know people have things going on where they live people have bigger things going on in the countries they live and all this you know this is 
this is normal, but you could just argue that maybe there are a few more negative things which are going on right now, which people have to deal with. Whereas in the past, you could just so, almost cruise along and miss out most of the BS. But there is certainly a lot more BS being presented on a day-to-day basis at the moment. But positives. I've been able to do the podcast. We're at episode 53, 54, something like that. Like, that's been great to have that level of consistency throughout this period. Obviously, people, we've not been able to have as many guests in the studio as possible, which is perfectly right and acceptable. But it's been, you know, it's given me something to focus on. I think it's helped some, I've, I hear from listeners as well on our social media, which I'm sure you've plugged it in the intro already. Um, and like, they tell me how this has helped them. You know, when you know something's coming every week, something consistent, which you actually want to hear, something which you actually want to do in a year where you're having to do a lot of things which you don't want to do. Like say, people don't want to wear masks, people don't want to stay indoors, but you're still doing your part because you know that's the thing that you have to do, you know? So to be able to, do something which I want to do. That's a privilege. And then, as I say, the other elements of it, from going to work, it's just, I still, at the end of the day, like for me, I could I could really, I would never ask for sympathy because I'm able to be a professional sportsman in a year, which has been a catastrophe, but I'm still able to do what I want to do. Being able to play as a footballer is, is a privilege. I've always, I've always thought that. It's never an expectation because so many people would love to do what we do. So I'm still doing that even though so many things have shut down, so many places have shut down, so many people losing their lives. So I'm still able to do my job. So many people have lost their jobs, you know? So many people so close to us having to move to other places and stuff, you know, because they, they don't have work anymore. You know, this is significant, but I can still do what I, what I wanted to do in this moment. So yeah, like, as I say, it's, this, is, this is life, but this is a new life and this is a new test in 2020. But, you know, the more consistent things you can find in there, which you enjoy doing, I think uh, the easier things are and the faster the days will pass. You seem to have like a really positive outlook in everything. No. Nah, I mean, I don't know. No, no. No, not at all. No. Not at all. No. Okay, well, but I'll tell we'll you, I'll, um, no, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm going to, I'm sorry to hijack this, but for me, I think I, I, <laughs> I heard that. I'm somewhere between. Like, I'm realistic, I believe, but I'm realistic based on watching what's going on and seeing previous events happen and trying to get feel for what's to come. Because I think sometimes if you hope hope about something too much, you lose your sense of reality and you start to believe that maybe it will happen because you hope it so. But if you look at the past events and the way things have been, like things, times in, say, especially as a sportsman, where things look catastrophic, have always ended up being okay. Times which have felt like the best ever don't last forever. So why would you exist in either of those two extremes? You know what I mean? And it's the same. And I feel like it's the same with um, with life as well. You just try and take up as much information as you can. You know, essentially be a critical thinker and try and make decisions from that point. So if I sound like I'm positive, it's because overall the situation based on history is probably something which is going to end up being positive. If I'm negative, it's because like everything is just effed essentially. You know what I mean? But yeah, like yeah. I say, I don't I don't like to sit at the polls. I just like to read something for what it is. But I mean, what I was trying to get at is that's a really good outlook is to, you know, nah, take judgment from history and current events and like your past experiences. But like, do you think your family had anything to do with that? Because I mean, you're surrounded by your sisters mm-hmm. and your family back home. Like, do you think and then, you know, you were born in Nigeria, mm-hmm. grew up in Manchester. Do you think your environment and your upbringing had anything to do with that? Uh, it probably did. Yeah. Um but I am, I am different to my sisters. Like, we're similar in lots of ways, but there's certain aspects where we are very, very different. 
but you know my uh, my mom and my dad you know they raised me in a certain way whereby even though I'm a professional today and I was always doing well in the academy when I was younger all that stuff was always a, like I only I was only allowed to do it if I was doing well in school. Wow, allowed. I literally, I made sure to say that word, I was allowed to do it. I don't it. think people realize that that you were like, like people think, oh, you're good at soccer, you're going to do it. And no. it's like you were, it was allowed. No. Yeah, literally, like for lots of other people, they don't necessarily have that same energy, which is fair enough. Like if you're in an academy yeah. and you're doing well, they want to push you down that route to try and give you the best opportunity to go forward. But for me, from when I was young, it was always like, as I say, maybe it's why I think of the game as being a privilege today. Because yeah. as I say, if I if I didn't do well in school, I guarantee you, I would not be playing as a professional now. This it was it was plain and simple. Like you, I, did you do your homework on time? Were you on time for school? What were your grades? If any of those were like, nah, it's like, well, you're not going to train today. Like that's simple. Like I'm not going to take you. You're not going. And there's nothing I could say because it was like, in that time, it's it's justified. Like as a 12, 13, 14 year old kid making no money from a game which you love, like who's to say that you, you have to do it just because you have to do it? Like it's not, doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess when it, when it just boils down to it, yeah, they, they did make a big difference. And like as I got older and I started to see the game for what it was, because when I first began, I was, a, I was, a, I was more so a fan than a player because I'd been at the club for, from when I was 10 years of age and I was playing now at 17, 18 seeing the people who I was ball boying for, people I used to go and watch watch the game with and all this. But I was a fan first, so we'd lose a game on a Saturday, it'd be really affecting me, this, that and the other. But as time passed, I started to settle and start really started to understand what it is about what it is to be a professional. Not just a not just a player who came through an academy to play for this for their team, but to see what it was to be a professional, understand the game, the psychology of it all, the physical side of it, the mental side of it, all this stuff. And as a consequence, um as I say, I think I've got I've got a perspective on the game, which is probably different to a, to a lot of other people. But I think it's something which helps me get by. And I think going forward, it'll probably help a lot of other people who I'll probably speak to at some point when I eventually finish. I mean, people in Manchester bleed blue or red. Yes, 100%. And you, didn't, yeah. you just said you didn't join the club till you were like 10. Yeah. Did you have to switch alliances or were you always <laughs> or were you always a blue? No. So, um, so I was playing for my um, amateur team, essentially. Um, and... I was scouted by City and United, but I didn't know that until afterwards when my dad told me that he said to United that I didn't want to go there because I was a Man City fan. But in that moment, savage. In that moment, I don't know if that was necessarily true. <laughs> but Imagine he, being like, "No, he's no, he's not a fan of yours." Literally, that's literally mm, what he did to Manchester United, here. who at the time were on the verge of becoming starting that legacy where they were basically the best team in, in history in, in England. Like, it's insane. But, You're not good enough for me. I'm yeah, Man City like, all the way. You've got some nerve, eh? <laughs> but um, like you made that decision. And I joined the academy like a week after, scored five goals on my debut, signed up, simple. And then from there, here I am. So were you, were you, I guess it's called athletics over there, were you running yeah. at the same time that you were in the academy or did you have to switch at that point? I started doing the, I'll say track and field so you feel more comfortable. I started wow. doing track and field properly when I was, I think, 13, 14 years of age. So in that moment again, I still had that thing where if I wasn't doing well in school, I wasn't allowed to do it. Yeah. But a normal week for me would be school, obviously, Monday through Friday. I'd have to play for my school team on Saturday morning. Like, everyone else was allowed to quit except for me. Hmm, let's call that coincidence. Commitment. <laughs> no, literally, I thought about quitting, but like, no, 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 you're not allowed. Whereas I'm watching people around me to say they're going to quit, and the teacher's like, yeah, that's fine, no problem. But for me, it's like, it's in the rules, you can't quit. All right, cool. So Monday, I'd, so school Monday through Friday. Monday, I had... Uh, training with City's Academy 
in the evening, like six till seven thirty or something. Tuesday I had track and field training. Wednesday, I think I had something else, I can't remember what that was, but then Thursday would be track and field again. Oh sorry, Wednesday was the academy. Thursday was track and field again. And then the Friday I think sometimes I'd have training as well. Then I'd say I'd play for my school on Saturday and then I'd play for the academy on Sunday. So I was like Every day. Every single day. And for I think the humbling bit as well was that for most of that I was making my own way. So, you know, when you've got to get on a bus and stuff like that, after school in your uniform, getting laughed at in the city centre as you're passing through with, like, mud on your face in the evening afterwards and all that stuff, you know. But it's the stuff, stuff that keeps you grounded. Hey, I mean, if you're putting in that kind of work, I mean, own it. <sighs> yeah, I feel tired for it now, though. I'm, I'm happy to drive <laughs> everywhere now as well. <laughs> well, okay, so at what point did you have to choose between track or soccer? It wasn't really a choice, like, so it wasn't a crossroads of like nah, I've got to go this way or that way. The, well, let me let me let me explain that a bit further. So, uh, when I was doing all this track stuff initially, I'd be the track season would tend to start around sort of March April time, and would continue through to maybe August or so, and that's that's was my involvement in it. But the football season was outside of that, so for the whole calendar year, I was always doing some type of sport. But then the moment came where with football, you started preseason earlier, and the season lasted longer. So the time which I'd been using to go and do track and all that stuff just disappeared because I, I just signed full time. But I never made a decision to go one way or the other. But I had to sign this contract to come in as a youth team player. And this is when you were getting paid. So this became your profession at 16. So my my track and field stopped because like, well, I've got no time for it anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it wasn't, as I say, it wasn't like a, I sat down and said, oh, do I go this way or do I go that way? It's just... It literally just ended, and you know I can't say I regret it to be honest. But yeah, it just had to stop. I mean, I just had the question. We I was chatting with your sister. Ryan was chatting with your sister, and we want to know like how come netball wasn't a consideration? Because apparently, you and netball, <laughs> you go hard. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, so it's like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. So in terms of netball, it was when I was in primary school. So that's yes five four or five for you guys i think okay so we had a teacher called um miss kennedy and she was big into a netball and we were close with her as a family and i did used to play netball back then and overall netball is a very it's like 99 percent female but i was you know i was just breaking the norms you know as usual i mean that's what you kind of get put in stuff like that when you get sisters yeah but at that point though it was only my older sister who was doing it before me so if you know if there was a different spread if it was if i was like the, i was like the fourth child or something yeah. then so be it but i was i was next in after her and you're I was, just too I was competitive playing. see that's the thing i don't i don't know if i am i literally don't know <laughs> if i am but i was just i was just very athletic so i was doing everything basically like if it was available i was, I was there and it was actually a lot of fun and i do still watch it now but i'm also again very glad that i didn't choose to take up as a career if you had another name for yourself as a child. As a child. Hang on a I second. I mean. What's going on here? I mean, I hear oh, setup. that oh, no. you had a name that you wanted to be called. <laughs> this is a full setup. Where are you getting this from? Which sister I'm is my this? My sources. Which sister is this? I'm not throwing my sources under the bus. I can find out. I can you find can. out. You can do that later. Yes. Yeah, so, right now we're on the mic. Okay, cool. So um, there were actually <laughs> there were probably a couple, but the one which is very, very clear and obvious was I wanted to be called Denzel. Yeah. So like for a little spell at school when you used to have to write name on stuff, I used to just call myself Denzel Anuha. And was the teacher like, who's Denzel? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close to Nathan. It's, it's, like, it's, it's wild to think about. That that's, that's the thing that I was doing back then. But then I also wanted to be in uh, Brownies. You know what Brownies is? No. It's like... Um, 
Like it's a like, Boy Scout? Yeah, but it's a Girl Scout group. Oh, and yeah. So like, I wanted to be in that as well. I didn't know that well. was in Europe as well. Yeah. But I was I a brownie. To, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to do that. But just specifically brownies, though. Like because your sisters did it? Or no, you were just gung-ho on being a brownie? I just wanted to do it. <laughs> but I never... I remember uh, my sister had the form and... Uh, she you had stole to give it. it. I, not only did I steal it, I started to copy the writing and everything on the form and filled out myself to be passed wow. over. Yeah, but this is good. You put Denzel down. They no, would no, never know point, it was you. No, at this point I put Nathan. I did put Nathan, but I wanted to be called Denzel. And throughout my life, I've also called myself Nathan as well. Nathan. Yeah. Why? When I was younger, it's just I don't know. Easier why I than Nathan. Yeah, and to be fair, that used to be the vibe when I used to go to Starbucks. But now I support independence. Shout out to all the independents out there. Mm. But um, yeah, he's kind of come up Starbucks and be like, oh, what's your name? And I'll be like, Nathan. Like, huh? Nathan. Huh? So then he'd be like, okay, Nathan. I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. I intentionally give them the wrong name. Yes, because you're a savage, though. But the problem with me calling myself Nathan is that when they eventually call Nathan five minutes later, I forget they're talking about me, <laughs> which is a problem. And then you're like, hey, are you ever going to get my coffee? Thanks. <laughs> no, nah, I don't kick up a fuss like you because I'm not a diva. Well, neither do I. Listen, people are working, they're working hard, so I'm not going to kick up a fuss, you know. No, I'm not going to be Karen. No, no Karen's, no Ken's around. I'm here. too just, introverted just to be Karen. I would nah, never go after nah, nah, people. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Just because you sit in that seat doesn't mean you can get away with stuff like that. What? No, no. I've you've you've got a. Prickly when have you ever seen me go, Karen? You've got a prickly personality as well. I know that from but hearing stories only... of you while at work. That's only at work. At work, I don't have a job. Okay, what work? Cool. But when you were <laughs> when you were working back in the day. Back in the day, back in the day. Yeah, like several, several months ago. Yeah, that's that's where you spend most of your day, true? Most of my life, yeah. So basically, underpaid, obviously, overworked. But with that, like, you know, that's a common theme that ran within the organization anyway. But with that, so if you spend most of your time being a Karen at work, why do you not think you're a Karen in real life? I don't think I was a Karen at work. Okay, cool. As long as you don't think so. I didn't think so. Someone was calling me Karen behind my back. This is news to me. Listen, we've we've all got sources. Okay, well. (laughs) I'll give you mine if you give me yours. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly who you've spoken to. And, no, uh, you don't. No, I do. I do. I know who would say give that information. I know exactly who it is. Okay, well, I didn't give it away. Yeah, whoever. <laughs> I know who you are. Don't call me ever again. <laughs> don't call me. Ever again. Lose my number. Yeah, seriously. So your first professional career start. Yes. Who, where, how old were you? Who were you playing against? Who were you playing for? Um, so for the first team, my very first, my first appearance, sorry, I'll, I'll, it's, it's like three sections to this. I apologize for anyone's bored at home. But the first thing that happened was I was playing in a, res- in a reserve game um, against Manchester United. I was having a battle with Kieran Richardson, who ended up being a friend and teammate and so on. But at the time, I hated him. So yeah. I was like after him constantly, head to head, all that work, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Competitive. Uh, above and beyond. All you that good stuff. You just said you weren't competitive, but now you're competitive. This, yeah, it's all okay. that all that good stuff. All that good stuff. This because it was a Manchester derby. It was like a big game. We had a few thousand fans there. So just a few. Finished that game. This was in a reserve game as well, which was a big deal. So we finished that game. And then I think it was the day after when I was at college, I got a call from the kit man, Les Chapman, living legend at Man City. And he said, oh, what number do you want? I was like, what are you even talking about? He said, what squad number do you want? I was like, how do I even answer that? So he said, oh, I'll give you 16. So my very first number in the game was 16. So I was in the squad for that game on the weekend for Man City, which was Man City against Chelsea, which I believe was the only game Chelsea lost that whole season. So I went from playing in the reserve game to being an unused sub in that game whilst being on 80 pounds a week and now receiving a bonus of several thousand pounds. Yeah? Yeah. Several thousand pounds. I can imagine. And then the week after I came on, 
uh, in, this is for my debut, I came on as a substitute against Norwich City late in the game. Uh, I don't know if I touched the ball, but I came on. So I was like, well, there we go. Playing is playing. Yeah, there you go. This is easy. Giving space for other people counts. Yep. And then, in fact, I think Kevin Keegan asked me, turned to me, says, do you get an appearance bonus? And I was like, yeah. I said, oh, come on then, on you go. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. I owe you some money. (laughs) Uh, and then the, I think it was the week after it was the League Cup and it was against Arsenal. And that was my very first start. And then, yeah, several Pretty prestigious. Hundred, yeah, several hundred games later, here we are. Several hundred. Yeah. Man. So was it everything you'd imagine? Even those games that you subbed didn't touch the ball and even that start, was it? Yeah, it was surreal. It's completely surreal because at the time, as I say, I was like a, I was more of a fan than a player. You know, because I like I I was a ball boy for the team when they were in the what was essentially the third division, you could say. Yeah. I went through all that. I used to stand outside the um, the training ground and wait for autographs from the players and stuff like this. I did all I did all that. I had when I was a ball boy, I used to get get match day programs and had them going back to like the eighties and things like this. You know, before I was even in the yeah. country. So I was like all in, all in. I knew every player. I'd been to watch them, watched this, this first uh, game at the stadium, which I think was against like Barcelona. I did all that stuff. And now, all of a sudden, I'm on the field. My my academy teammates are in the stands watching me play with the first team in a Premier League game against players who they all know. And like, this is it. But you're never too sure of like, is this it forever? Or is this just it for this moment? And it was... It was unreal. It was like unbelievable. And I was lucky because in those three games, like I played, we lost to Arsenal in the cup, but I played well. We won against Chelsea and then I came on against Norwich and we won and I got, and I got an appearance bonus. So like, I thought, that's, that's a real nice intro to professional football. So yeah, I, I really loved it to be fair. So is that when you're, you're coming up, you're got to get your mind right coming in and playing with these guys you looked up to and everything. Is that when you're loving music? Kind of no, took no, over? No, 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 no. What, what you got to get hype. I mean, no, no, on the no, bus no. ride, whatever. No, 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 no. This is, this is from a different time where you didn't really play music like that. It wasn't that big a deal back then. Because I think speaking to some of my teammates now at RSL, one thing which they forget about me is, like, I started 16 years ago. Yeah. So when I was playing, I was playing with people who were born in the 70s. Like, I showed someone recently a, a team sheet from the very first game I played, I started in. And the goalkeeper's 50 years old now. So, like... Um, that's a different era in football. Oh, yeah. Those people, they ran the game differently to someone who's born in the year 2000 or 2002 from now, you know? Yeah. So the music thing wasn't that big a deal then, especially, like, in terms of downloads and all that. It wasn't, there was no streaming. There was, yeah. Like, I didn't have money to buy CDs every week. It wasn't stuff coming out every week or whatever. So I had a different style. My music was style was different. But also I need to give a shout to um, Sean Wright Phillips because he gave me a set of turntables. I think it was 2004, maybe. Yeah, 2004, which he had extra and he gave them to me and he got me into UK grime garage and all that stuff. And that's when I learned to really start mixing and collecting records. And I was really happy because those turntables, I found out a couple of years later, were like 500 pounds each. So, yeah. And he's obviously rich enough to just give them to someone. So, yeah, I appreciate it, Sean. So he's the reason you got into all the, the mixing. And yeah, say it again. The no. mixing. The no. mixing. No, no, go on, say We're it again. Make fun of my accent? No, 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 no. It's just the way you try <laughs> to mark mixing. Be... It's just mixing. It's just mixing. Yeah, but do you know how to do it? No, so. dude. I, audio is a fear of mine. Yeah. This is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> I bet. I can see it. But, um, yeah, he was, he was the reason I started doing DJ and stuff. And that got me into music. And I started producing music. And now I'm just... I just love music. You could argue. I can't, at times, I kind of love it more than my job. Oh, really? At times. You think about side hustle? I don't think it's, it would be as lucrative, but... Um, if you enjoy it. 
I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. But I know plenty of people like um, Aiden Hogarth, who actually made the intro to this podcast. Like, I know plenty of people who are really good at it. I don't think I'm up to that stranded yet. So I won't be trying to go into uh, into their lane to try and take anything from them. So, okay, music, your music style has changed over time because mm-hmm. what it was when you started at 16 to now is very mm-hmm. different. You stream and everything now. Like, yeah. what kind of music is important to you now or how is music important to you now? Um, I think it's important to me because from when I started DJing and stuff like that, was, in fact, no, let me go back a bit further. So before I got those turntables from Sean Wright Phillips, I was actually in in a band and stuff like that. So I was playing yeah. bass guitar, so I was heavily into some of the sort of new metal, old style rock and things, whilst also listening to hip hop concurrently and pop and whatever was playing on the radio, because we, at that point we didn't exactly have a vast choice of what you wanted to listen to. Yeah. You know, you didn't have digital radio, oh, I'd take a pick of a hundred radio stations. Like, no, it was this, yeah. Yeah. So I was into my I was into my rock, I used to go to my festivals, but then I'd say I'd still be into my hip hop and all that stuff, like Get Rich or Die Trying, for example, one of my favorite albums of all time this that and the other but then it's right next to say a chili peppers album or something like that yeah so i was into everything and when i started to play bass guitar was when i started to appreciate what went into actually creating music so when when you start to see what goes into creating it whether it's a case of being on an mpc and just tapping some buttons or being in the studio playing laying some keys like I start to listen to music a bit differently. So that's why I don't think I pigeonhole myself anymore to just listening to one particular thing because there's skill in the craft no matter what the genre is. Even if it's like the addictive pop, like what makes it addictive? How does somebody find that particular key or say um, something to do with hip hop in terms of someone's lyrics and how it goes with a particular song or something like music. So music has changed, but my appreciation for it in terms of how it's made has not. So I'm happy that I can just get it on my phone now no problem but it was also annoying because i went through a phase where i was buying music from itunes before there was um apple music and i spent probably 10 to fifteen thousand pounds on it and then apple music came and it said here have a billion songs on your phone for 15 pounds a month and i was like ah. done yeah, okay <laughs> twist my arm why don't you yeah but like what do i do what do i then do with my fifteen thousand songs which i paid for which was essentially fifteen thousand pounds you don't keep those as well well, I don't need to because now it's all available on my phone. I can just search for it and get yeah, it. Yeah, you just got duplicates. Yeah, which is taking up space that, oh, on your phone. It's a nightmare. But, you know, then the cloud came, so we're all good now. <laughs> I'm just chilling on the cloud. Yeah, literally. Well, how do you go about finding your new artist then? Um, if it's, I mean, you've got vast avenues now. To be honest, I take I take recommendations. I go to certain music, start, music websites, which are just non... You know, people kind of have the same sort of mentality as me when it comes down to music. Like, they yeah. like how things are created. So, as a consequence, you can find anything. Like, here's a new artist. There's a new artist. What do you think about this? Like, I'll go into the the general Apple Music stuff and see what falls into the algorithm. But I think sometimes you find more value in just going out and exploring. And I think when you have that many songs available to you, exploring is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And then when you find something which hits you that little bit differently, like, it, it goes... Uh, it carries, it carries itself a long way. Yeah. I mean, we would be doing a disservice Uh-oh. to this Uh-oh. this podcast if we didn't plug your kickback playlist. Do you pick the songs that go on there? Uh, yeah, of course. Well, I'm not going to let, let you Ryan, do it. We don't know. I'm not going to let you do it. Well, all I don't you, want all to. you do is just country. I don't know how it works. Okay. But I've got no problem with country, though. Oh. That's the thing. But I wouldn't necessarily pick 50 you know, songs of me, country. Me and my homegirl, Carrie, over here. Oh, you, oh yeah, because you're on stage singing with her. Hey. This is not about me. No, no, you've made it. You've made it about you, and that was the, the um, second best moment of your life before this one. Yeah, no, this is this is 
Nothing tops this moment right now. Yeah, so the 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 links to the kickback playlist in the show notes. Ryan makes sure to put them there. And I always forget to remind people that's where they are. But there's been, I think, a few people have added it on Apple. A few people have added it on Spotify. And to be honest, I'm, I'm leaning at the moment towards even diversifying it because this current one is very much sort of hip-hop and R&B based. But sometimes I want to get into my rock and roll bag because that's high energy. And I'm thinking, do I do it or like do I not? banging? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But when you find a song that gives you energy, yeah. like how, where else do you get that from? Where else in, in your life do you feel that type of energy, that type of rush? I don't know. It doesn't really exist, does it? So when you when there's that type of music, it does exist. And don't get me wrong, by the way, I have to let everyone know. I I was into some of this headbanging stuff. I, I have been known to be in a mosh pit, throwing myself around, Ooh. yeah, knocking people out with the biceps over there. Yeah, but but the, I remember the rules Didn't in the mosh deny pit. It. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't deny it. <laughs> I remember one of my friends. We just crossed arms one time because the like the standing section was a bit quiet and just spun around, created a gap, and then everyone came flying in. And it was brilliant. Because again, that's just one of those moments where people come because they love the music, love the energy. But one of the rules of the pit, like if, you fall, if someone falls on the floor, you just pick them back up. It doesn't make sense. Like you're barging people around. But if someone falls to the floor, everybody must stop and give someone the opportunity to stand up. Like, how does yeah, that work? I would, I would hope so. But yeah, so I was saying, as far as music goes, if people would like to hear a different type of, different genre on the playlist as well, then you need to reach out to us on kick uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, and the handle Sky is for Twitter, for Instagram, <laughs> this for scene, look all at, look the at things. This, look at this person here. It's kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you would like to hear more of a rock type playlist, more of a pop type playlist, or you know, if if you want Skylar to do a country type playlist, then I'm sure she will find a way to ruin your day when she creates one for you. <laughs> But yeah, reach out to us. We love your feedback. And on Instagram, it is me that responds. On Twitter, occasionally it's me. But on Instagram, it's always me. So that's probably the best place to get me. I mean, it's, it's about time that Uh-oh. somebody does something with that playlist because it's been a while for you. Excuse me? Excuse me? You don't, you've, you've, not even, you've not even been on it. This place was updated three days ago. I wasn't. Yes, it was. Well, then producer Ryan gave me some false information. <laughs> Listen, don't even try and come for me because I was criticized by somebody else. And I gave them what My producer wanted. Ryan probably. No, it wasn't because someone said, "Oh, you've not you've not played the playlist in three weeks." I said, "All right, bet. Leave it with me." Okay, so we're gonna throw you through the ringer for some questions. Go for go for it. Since you tend to do that to all of your guests. Yes, that's what I try okay. to do. But first, I want to the one I want to start with is what question do you ask someone to learn the most about them? Because you Hmm. get to the heart of someone real quick and even just the briefest of conversations. So what questions do you ask someone Hmm. to get to know them better? Oh, that is a good question. I think it depends on the guest. And when you look at the story, see significant things that have happened in their time. And some of those significant things aren't necessarily moments where they've been asked why they've done something and you just see 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 it's happened. Like say, for example... Recently, we were with Junior Hoylet. Like, Junior's a very good friend of mine, but he's left two clubs on a free transfer. And I know from a fan's perspective, it'll seem like he's, he's this or he's that. And I've heard him be criticized. But when you really try and draw someone out and say, why did you do that? You can start to understand how their mind minds work in that moment. Because even on a day-to-day basis back then when I was with him, he wouldn't be talking about it all the time. Yeah. But it's definitely something that was a huge factor in his decision in his decision-making process. And he knew that 
he didn't have a long-term future left at the club because of the way he's being treated by other people. And as a consequence, as a player there, surely you have to look after, look out for yourself. But you'll never go out in the press and say, well, I left because they didn't like me and, you know, like I, I didn't care or whatever. Like The guy cared about his teammates, which means he cares about the club because the teammates represent the club. But he wasn't receiving anything from the other side, from the coaching staff. And as well, one thing which certain people know, that he never named any of the coaching staff who were against him at QPR because he's trying to be respectful to the club but then also being respectful to the players and being honest about the whole situation so he reveals a lot more when you ask him what what made someone like what goes into the thought process of making a big decision in your career and in your life and I think when you do try and like ask people those type of questions you can see from the responses like who they are as people because he gets criticized all the time for like selfish is this is that is whatever but I know the guy is not he's not that person but you can't go out and say that when you're in the press and they ask you, well, what's, how, what do you think about the game on the weekend or what about the game that's to come? You know, those are very, very yeah. essentially surface questions and moments, which are, which are necessarily evil, but you'll never know about the person. Yeah. But for him, as I say, like he, he revealed a lot because as I say, he was showing how much he respected his teammates and how if things were better with the coaching staff, he would have stayed because he didn't dislike it. We got slammed like he was desperate to leave, but he wasn't. He wanted to stay, but there's no place for him to stay. Yeah. And, and then all the while, I still couldn't throw the people under the bus who probably who probably deserved to be able to do so too. So it just depends on the person. you got to get to the Ex- root of their... Exactly. There's always something in someone's story where they can be really, really open and honest. And I think if you hit that early, then they'll be more honest throughout the entire piece because they know at the end of the day, like, each show, um, it's not about me. It's about them. So when I, t- when I ask them if they want to come on, they'll be like, what type of questions are you going to be asking all this? And I say, it doesn't really matter about that. It's just a case of people trying to finally learn about what it takes to be you in your life and how can you be uncomfortable when essentially all you're going to be doing is just telling people who you are because if you believe you're a good person then what have you got to worry about yeah i mean i think all that's true no thanks 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 for your response i think you do a really good job of getting people to trust you very quickly like there's nothing i think that's one of the big differences in terms of people who i have back in the uk compared to here is that in the uk you get criticized for everything that you do like, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, whether you're, you've got one sock higher than, longer, like, higher than the other or like one shoelace undone or something. Like You're very open to criticism, and it tends to come from the press. But people, when they come in, I always remind them that I'm not the press. So I'm not looking for a sensational story. I'm just looking to listen to your story myself. And for me, as you've heard me say before, like everything is interesting. When I get these people to really open up, like some of the conversations I've had are conversations like I would have with those people if I could just spend time with them. Because I'm always intrigued about what makes them who they are. How did they get to that point in the career? Why did you choose to go there? Do you not think it was interesting that maybe this or maybe that? Well, that's, and you can learn, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. You can, you, I, I'm learning as I'm as I'm listening to people speak, and as a consequence, when it's all said and done, like I'm the same as a listener. I've really enjoyed myself, and you know I subscribe to my own show because I'm sick. But yeah, like that's it's all part of the game. Subscribe, everybody, is what he's trying to point subscribe out. Subscribe <laughs> to the show. That's what great people do. So where do you find the most meaning in your life? Mm. Um, That is a question that I will say is good so that you can give yourself a pat on the back. Don't mind if I do. But with that as well, there are many different ways to answer it. I think... um, Precisely. So how you answer? For me, overall, I want to be the type of person where I don't my aim is to be seen as a good person. Like I hate being misunderstood. I hate it when people don't see my good intentions. Yeah. Like it breaks me because everything I do has a good intention. 
Um, and I like to know that whoever's involved in my life and whoever's closest to me, they know that they can come to me about anything because I believe that can make someone's life better. I will never, my aim is to never make anybody's life worse. Yeah. If someone's not worth my time, then I won't give them time. But if somebody's worth my time, I always try and see if I can make their life better by having my friendship, by having my team, my like having them as a teammate or whatever. And it's the same sort of thing with my kids. Try and give, do the best that I can with them. Like I'm not perfect, but I think I can add value. So in everything that I do, I try and add value, whether it's with people that I know, people that I don't know, situations which are difficult, situations which are easy. You know, never get so comfortable that you don't add value to any situation. So, you know, my whole thing in life is to do that. Well, I think you've reached a lot of your audience that way. Oh, well. Because, I mean, as you said earlier, people look forward to hearing you week in and week out. Mm, And it's something that they genuinely care to hear you week after week. No, so I honestly, think you've added value to a lot more people than you even realized. It, did you know, I'll be honest, there was a point in where I thought the podcast was going to stop because it was around the controversial point where the the owner decided that people who are of value are no longer valuable. And the expectation was was one where like we were recording almost not on behalf of the club, but we were recording through the club. And Ryan was one of those people who was pushed to the side. And I didn't know if he wanted to continue doing this. But unless he lied to me, he sounded like he wanted to continue doing this. I'll never know. Yeah, literally. He's probably lied. But he said he wanted to continue doing it. And I guess he enjoyed it. And he brought some level of consistency or something. So I'm like, why why would I stop? And then even with the listeners as well, it was like the height of, not like the pandemic's finished because it's a long way from that, but it was the height of the uncertainty in the pandemic. And people had nothing going on. Like, obviously, we don't have two billion listeners or something, but of the listeners that we do have, they're very consistent. And they listen. To, they, they sound like they look forward to hearing from whoever's a guest on the show on a week-to-week basis. And that level of consistency, whether it was for Ryan in continuing to do the show or it's for the listeners or whatever, like, it's hard for me in that moment to just say, nah, I don't want to do it, because be yeah. that'd be the easy thing to do. But yeah. then I get more joy from seeing people I've made happy than from just making myself happy by doing nothing. Well, so in saying all that, like what standards do you judge yourself by? Um, in terms of life or in, or in football? Both. Um, as I say, I'm a million miles away from perfect, but like I think there's certain things in, in the world and just in sports well, which go on which are either right or wrong. But based on history... Like people aren't asking questions as to decide whether something is right or wrong. They just accept it for being what it is. And things can't get better until we start to really look at things for what they are. Whether it's the case of on the field, like people saying, oh, you know, this guy's really good. He's just, the way he attacks. But then he costs his team two goals but scores one. Like that's a losing player, you know. Like like really looking at it objectively and saying, well, no, this is this. this." Yeah. People are like, yeah, but no, no. But that's because they spent years either ignoring it or being told that it's something else. And I think that type of mentality exists a lot within the world. And if I can really take in information and be able to form an opinion, which is like, which I can back up because you, as you've seen with me, like I, yeah. will, I will not enter an argument or a debate unless I've got information to back it up. I'll never yeah. do it because I don't like saying I don't know. Uh, well, I will happily say I don't know on things I don't know about, but I'm not going to deliver full energy to something I'm not sure about. Yeah. Like, if, if I say something, it's because it's based on whatever and it's not like an emotional judgment whatever, or anything like that. And I think that carries in life and in sport. And like even 
it's, this isn't a political podcast at all, but like as a foreigner in the USA, it's really interesting to see what happens during an election because then I can see both sides and know that I'm not going to vote anyway, but I can decide what I like and don't like. Yeah. Whereas in this moment now, everything's there's so much tribalism going on that someone sits on one side or someone sits on the other and they point fingers at each other saying this and saying that. But when you hear both sides, you can hear what's BS and what's real. Yeah. It doesn't matter which side it comes from. You can just get a feel for it. Yeah. But most people don't have that because they're so angry at everything else that they can't see the bigger picture. Like uh, one, Justin Glad was having a discussion with one of our teammates recently about voting, who they're voting for and so on. And he, he confessed himself that he was getting emotional when talking about reasons to vote for somebody over somebody else. Yeah? Yeah. And I said, that's not going to work because the person you're talking to is basically the same as you, but on the other side. Yeah. And when you think about it, you can't be critical of them of having that mentality when you're literally doing the same thing. So unless you come into a conversation knowing what the talking point is going to be on both bits and knowing how to like respond to those talking points, then you have no value. Like Some people, their minds will never be convinced or changed by anything, but it doesn't mean that you can't provide them with the facts. Like even recently, someone, I, I was triggering people on social media when I was talking about masks. And then some of the people that came out said, but like, do masks even work? And I said, well, did they work when you were having your surgery and all the doctors were wearing them? I said, we're looking after you. Like, I'm guessing they work then. So, you know, yeah. this like you can really lay out simple cases like that. But sometimes you just fall into this camp or that camp and you can't see, you don't even begin to think, why do people think the way that they that they do? And it's not necessarily always right. But if you can find a way to like present an argument, which is a positive argument, then why not do so? Because all the information is out there, but people seem to just want to fight instead. Well, and I also feel like you're very good at bringing, like playing that devil's advocate role. Yeah. Some people hate me for it as well. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. But I mean, you're really good at getting people to kind of open their mind a bit to the possibility of something other than what they think. For sure, for sure, for sure. And I think, uh, I suppose I saw some quote somewhere which which was saying that, you know, the skill of someone who debates or whatever is that they can provide a really convincing argument but not necessarily share the opinion themselves. Yeah. And so as a consequence, like, I will play devil's advocate over a lot of things and I might not necessarily have an opinion but it's not to, like, I do it because sometimes people fall really hard on one side of a debate about something when they don't necessarily need to. And I, I wonder like, why do people get so, why are they getting so tight about this particular thing when it's not really as black and white as they're making it seem that it is? Yeah. So I can try and play devil's advocate to pull them back a little bit towards it the other way. And you know, it's not, the, if they disagree, it's fine. But the things that they then choose to disagree with are things which are like factual points and not opinion based. Yeah. You know, like it, people say it always rains in Manchester, which is a, is, a, is a feel, but some people own it. So every time it rains, it always rains in Manchester. But I say, well, did you know that it didn't rain for 25 out of the last 30 days? And then they'll be like, yeah, but. And I said, but then I hit them with a month after. Yeah, but. And then before you know it, you've got like a whole collection of data which says like, well, what are you saying? Yeah, but to the whole year. or It's not always raining in Manchester. Exactly. But they'll never <laughs> say that. But they just won't deliver their message the same way the next time because it's fine to have your belief, but it's not necessarily always going to be right just because you shout it at someone's face. No. I mean, don't ever get into a debate with Nadam. No. You'll regret it. Depends what it's on. Some things I'll be like, I don't have a clue. I'll find out. I'll let you know. Rain check. We'll come back to Yeah, this. we'll come back, we'll come <laughs> we'll back to this another the time. Tuesday of next week. It'll be fine. Yeah, but then again, as well, there's certain things. Like, I'll be like, yeah, you're right. And then we'll just leave it there because you're right and there's nothing else needs to be said. So what's been the biggest honor so far of your career? Um, biggest honor? Uh, 
it's it's that's that's a tough one to be honest because there's certain individual honors and the like team honors and stuff like I well, think which do you hold most dear i think when i retire regardless of whatever medal or success story i've had i think the biggest honor will be one whereby i'd know that with 90 percent of the players who i've played against they've all they've all respected me as a player and a person and i think that is a better record than people from the outside would understand or believe. Because, you know, as far as players go, like I'm not a glamorous player. I'm not someone who's doing step overs or hitting diagonal balls or anything like that. Yeah. But I'm a good player and I show commitment. But from the outside, like people tend to be drawn towards the shinier things on the field, you know, the brighter lights and all that. But when it comes down to it, I know that I've, whenever I've not played, I've been missed by the people who represent whichever clubs that I've been at. And, you know, that carries a lot of weight for me because I played for 16 years. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a long time. It's a long career. Played for teams who, you know, were on the way up in the Premier League. Some teams who were just mid-table in the championship or whatever. But the respect level I have in all the places I've been to is very, very high. And that's from players who I've played with and staff who have been in the building as well. And that makes me know that when I'm done, I can go to any of those places and people see my face and they'll be happy to see me which is a lot more than I can say for a lot of teammates and players who I've had in the past because a lot of people are very happy to see, the back, see their backs. Would you say that's what you want your legacy to be? I think, yeah, I think my legacy, again, would you, for me, would be down to have I helped the people who've been around me, whether they're the same age or whatever, and have I helped the younger players become better? Like if some of the play, young players who I'm playing with now at RSL or some of the young players who, I'm playing, who I played with at QPR, if they can say that I helped them achieve their own goals, somewhere down the line then you know that that would make me a lot happier because you know not unfortunately everybody can win something every single year like some there'll be some teams who will never get close to win anything whatsoever so if you judge yourself purely on trophies one then a lot of the millions also there'll be tens of thousands of unsuccessful footballers but it's deeper than that yeah you know so um as i say like to know that a Eze, who's been a guest on the show, has now gone to Crystal Palace in the Premier League and is getting the opportunity to learn there. And I remember speaking to him for a couple of years about what it takes to play in the Premier League. Like, even if he's listened to even a slight bit of that, maybe that's going to help him settle in there and understand what's actually required. Maybe it's if it's like a Justin Gladwell and a Herrera or whatever, like Vera, and I'm saying to him, like, keep pushing yourself. Who knows where you can get to? I don't believe there are many better right-backs in the league than him, potentially. So I keep saying to him, that's the case, that's the case, that's the case. Maybe at some point in the future, he'll be the best right-back in the MLS. And if he is so, maybe it's because I helped push him in that point where he could have been more comfortable. You know, so that, those are little things to me, uh, you know, that ultimately they matter the most because, as I say, it's not just about you. It's a team sport and it's a world that we live in, not just a, a bubble of one, you know. So can yeah. you affect those around you? And if you can, then, you know, that, I'm ha more than happy for that to be my legacy. Wow. Well, looking back, Mr. Athlete, childhood you, <laughs> yeah. doing it all. If you gave your childhood self a trophy, mm. what would it be for? Childhood self a trophy? Um, what? When does childhood end in your eyes? Good question. Thank you. Thank you very much. Look at this host turning the tables. Yes, indeed. I don't know. I would say whenever you kind of go off on your own and become independent. Um, when you start having to worry about life in a different way than what a child does. Um I think a trophy, as in what would it be awarded for? Yeah. Um, I think overall, like, I, there were certain times, not everything was great. Like, I wasn't perfect in school in terms of scores and stuff like that, but I always wanted to get better, and I always worked hard to get better. So when I finished uh, school, at, when I finished my first section of school at 16, I ended up doing better in the next section, which was supposed to be harder. 
because I worked harder in that time to learn from the mistakes which came from before. So it's almost like a case of within my childhood, the mentality was just like Kaiser, just continuous improvement. That's what I was always aiming for, whether it was stuff that was on the field or whether it was stuff that was going on at school. Like I never, I never ever went backwards. Yeah. Even if I started at like ground zero and like, and I went up a little bit. I started ground zero because I really struggled. I, would ne- I wouldn't struggle for the whole year because I'd always try and figure out what is required to get better at something. And yeah, it's totally annoying to plenty of people who have probably played like sports like tennis against like my wife Lucy. Like I won't be bad for long, so make the most of those moments. So yeah, yeah it's probably unfortunately it'd be the trophy no one wants, probably most improved. But um Or perseverance from what it sounds it's, like. Yeah, the perseverance award, yeah. No, I think it's just I was um yeah, I think if I had to give myself a trophy, it'd just be for like taking time to learn and adapt and understand the situation and just continually try and get better because it'd be very easy to quit on things, but I was never a quitter. Can you imagine that on a certificate? <laughs> just just <laughs> Mr. Non-Quitter, Mr. Perseverance. Um, always continue to get better, never yeah. go backwards, yeah. never a quitter. Yeah. like Is awarded to Yeah, it, so- it sounds it sounds nuts. <laughs> it does sound nuts and it would be the worst trophy in the world. It would be the but, biggest sheet of paper. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, you can maybe get a sticker at the end as well. But that's, Maybe that's, a blue ribbon. But that's, but that's what it was. That's literally what it was. Like I'm not great at everything, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll get okay at most things. Is there a particular opponent, either player, team, whatever, that you have enjoyed playing against the most? Um, as a defender, it's tough to say. Like, I've not scored enough goals to say, oh, well, I always score against this team or that team. Yeah, we have all noticed that. But it's, Yeah, still more than you, though, so you I can relax. That's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, I just learned how to kick a soccer ball. Thank you very much. Yeah, me too, me too. Um that's tough to say, actually, because teams change on a year-to-year basis. Like some of the teams yeah. who, even, for example, Man City in 2004, I think we finished ninth that season. 2004-05, finished ninth that season. Then the year after, we were like 14th, 15th. And now you look here today, and obviously they've lost a recent game, but they're trying to win every trophy. So teams change. So to say that, you know, do you prefer this team or that team? Like there's so many teams who were in the Premier League back then who aren't in the Premier League now. And stuff like that, or even say in the MLS, like some teams who've been stinking for years who are actually quite doing well, doing quite well now. So I think the best games, the games I've enjoyed the most have actually been the harder games where you come up against like a real top quality team and like a striker who's one of the best in the world. And the ones who are best in the world tend not to be the best in the world because of their physicality, it tends to be because of their mentality. And I've always thought myself to be a thinker on the field as well as like at times an enforcer. So I'd rather be in a game whereby you constantly have to think, where is this person? Where is this person? Where is this person? What are they going to do next? The one who's like six foot six and you know the ball's going to be like just below, just, the, just, just below the clouds for 90 minutes straight. You know, so as I said, there have been times where playing at Old Trafford, I've really enjoyed playing there, playing at the Emirates Stadium, uh, Stamford Bridge a couple of times. Like we've taken some losses there, but in fact, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I scored. I scored one of my favorite goals against Chelsea. So I'll say Chelsea, and the QPR fans will appreciate that because that means I've actually won there twice now as well. That's impressive. Wow, well, it's just day in the life. Well, of all your experience and everything, can you put together a men's five-a-side team? Um, you know, when I ask people this question, it, I always know that they can't answer properly because first of them, I never tell them in advance that that's what they're going to have to do. I didn't tell you. Yeah, I know, I know. This, this is a problem I'm facing. I'm trying to buy time. So I never tell them in advance this is what Spit I'm going to do. So, so as well as that, it means that they'll always forget players. And when they start to realize they're forgetting players, they go for people who they like and become familiar with. Or no, or friends. 
that's what I mean. Like that's yeah. what we tend to tend to go for friends and stuff, and that's essentially what I go for because I have. Is I've, that why this is taking so long? You don't have many friends. To essentially, pick? Is it, no, I have too many friends. Oh, too many. Okay. See, that's the difference. Mm, but if you say so, to go straight off the bat, like I'd have to go Joe Hart um, at the back. Uh, in terms of friends, I'd have to go um, Micah Richards, and then probably Johnny Lescott. I'll put those two psychos at the back. They're good for a goal every now and again as well. Midfield. Um, Friendship, I'd go uh, Esther Brancanero, friend of the show. Oh, of all these four being on the show as well, hmm, that's a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, that's a cr- oh, crazy coincidence. Huh? And then um, up top, uh, just for the last to be involved in the team, I'd say uh, say Fraser Campbell as well. Like I could on paper I can pick a team which has got more accolades, but I know that that would be a team of people who get on and really enjoy being with each other. So yeah, that's good. That'd be my five. I feel like that's a good side. Unless they don't name five, yeah, name five. Can we yeah. tag everyone when we put this podcast out? Absolutely, yeah. Everyone, I, share you were picked as. But make sure you side. make sure you explain it to people. If like you were I forgotten, could, I could you have, weren't that close. <laughs> I could have given like the answers of like absolute dream team of like Yaya Torres and David Silvers and all that stuff, but you know, people, it's five sides. So you're supposed to enjoy it, so those are the people who enjoy it the most. Well, you're also a huge fan of women's football. Uh, women's sport. Women's Correct sport. yourself. Correct well, yourself. I know, but you're a huge advocate on the show for women's soccer. I try my best, yeah. You've brought women on the show, same as you've brought men on the show. In fact, I was first brought onto a women's show, and like that was probably one of the highlights of my two years being on here. I was on with um, Rachel Corsi and Erica Timrak on a podcast, which is now passed away. May it forever rest in peace. R.I.P. Yeah. Rethink. Rethink, yeah. But that was, no, that was fun. And I, I like... I love sport. That's a statement. So it's not like I love men's sport. Or, That's fair to say. You know what I mean? Like I love sport. So when sport's being played, I like to watch it. I like to watch certain sports more than others. I like to watch certain teams more than others. But as far as women's women's like football goals or soccer goals, like I'm here in Utah with my team, a women's team and basically in the same building, another men's team in the same building. Like this is it's a privilege to get to see other people play the game as well but you're kind of all in the same situation so i started to watch the end of myself specifically from that moment from seeing that but when i was back in england i was watching um the women's premier league and stuff as well anyway or women's super league as well anyway like i've been doing that for years from when i was with umbro and i was doing adverts with like rachel yankee the queen of arsenal queen of england you know like i love i love sport so when it comes down to it if it's something i want to see which is a lot of women's sport and a lot of men's sport like, why not watch it? Some people are so taboo about the stuff, which just doesn't even matter. Like, no, I don't want to watch women's NBA, but then they'll watch, like, the worst game of football on, in the world, like, down the road somewhere out in the rain. Like, you know what you're going to watch. If you want to see an end-to-end game, don't watch Italian football, right? But don't say Italian, all football is the same because it's not. You know what you want to see. And if you want to see, like, a physical women's game, you know, the the uh, NWSL is a spot for it. If you want to see something more technical, technical, maybe watch PSG or like um, or, or Leon or something like that in the in the French yeah, in the French yeah. league, you know, like you know what you want to see and you know what to expect, but you know what to expect from watching more games. So watch more games and decide what you like and what you don't like instead of just saying you don't like it before you've watched it. Rant te- partially over. Can we get the round of applause button pushed? <laughs> um. <laughs> that's, right, that's the rant partially over because there's so much more I could say about this, but it's just it's. We live, we live in some wild, wild times and there's so many wild opinions being thrown out. And then the moment you ask someone about it for context, they've got nothing more to say. Well, that was going to be my next question. How do you advocate for... Because there's a lot of people out there who just completely disregard women's sport in general. Yeah. Whatever the sport, it doesn't matter. If for a sure. woman's playing it, 
it's not real. Yeah. But yeah. how do you advocate being a professional athlete yourself, a man who enjoys watching women's sport, all sport in general? How mm -hmm. do you advocate for women's sport? It's it's honestly so difficult to try and grow an audience of people who've already turned their back on something anyway, because you need to find something that will bring them in to begin with. But usually that turns to be something really big and obscene. Say, like, for example, the the US national team winning the World Cup was great because all of a sudden there's a big topic about like women's soccer. But yeah. the women's soccer, is on t that's only talking about it on an international level. Right. But they need attention at club level. So now the club level attention starts to come, but it only remains if those national team players are playing week in, week out. But that tends to not be the case for all across the board for all of them. Like some of them do. Yeah. Some of them love playing club football, but it seems like at times some of them, they've got other things which are going on so they don't quite play the same to the same amount. And it's that's that's a shame because I don't think at times they must know they must know their value, but maybe yeah. they don't know the the true extent of their value of being there playing for those teams. Because if they play, then maybe someone will get to know uh, Mallory Weber. Maybe someone will get to know a Ciara King. Maybe someone will get to know a Gabby Vincent. You know what I mean? Yeah. But someone might not turn up if um, say Kristen Press isn't playing. You know, yeah. and that's a shame. That is a shame because it's even if those players play, it's not a one-person team. It's a team. Like you're only yeah. you're as good as the team. Even if you had the best player in the world, like say for example, you could argue Orlando Pride have had for a few years in Marta. Like doesn't guarantee success because they've not found a lot of success in their time as a franchise, have they? No. So you know, like it's a it's a it's a it's a team thing. It's a team thing, and unfortunately, I think the mentality of say certain sports fans when it comes to leagues which are newer. They tend to go for the stars over the clubs. So when the stars move, their attention moves. But the attention needs to be on the clubs because then whoever's playing for them is going to be elevated regardless of whether they're a star or they're not. So to draw attention to it, I don't know, maybe it'll take time, but it just needs consistent viewership. It needs to be made more accessible. Like you don't shouldn't have to watch a game on Twitch. You shouldn't have to subscribe to a it's like a subscription service thing to be able to watch a game every so often, but then it charges you for the second month and stuff like this. Like, make it accessible. People will watch it because it's sport and we all love sport. Simple. Preach. There we go. Preach. There we go. Well, so what would your five-a-side women's soccer team be? Um, all, like, throughout the years? I mean, who would your, I mean, pick five. Pick five. I mean, it could be from anywhere. Um, from any time uh okay so of people who are who are watching now and people who watch back then and there'll be a bit, bit of bias in there as well um kelly smith okay um becky sauerbrunn queen uh i have to go rachel corsi because queen the, of aberdeen yeah exactly the two together those queens yes center um, back sisters midfield these are, these are great questions. Uh, who else would I go for? Um, of current players, I like... Um, which Mewis is it that's just gone to Man City? Sam. Sam Mewis, yeah. Yeah, I think she's good. She she reminds me of like... A, very talented and very tall. Yeah, well, very tall. She's my height and I get called like average height, but sure. Yeah. yeah, but you're also a man, so... Oh, okay, yeah. That's, I'm sure that helps. The average is different. Yeah, so pop those two in this. That's four players. And in fact, oh, I've made a mistake, haven't I? I've made a mistake. So I'll have to get rid of Sam Mewis and put in Ooh. Sam Kerr. Fair. Five-a-side, goals, goals, goals. 
That's all she wants is goals. Goals, goals, goals. And then... Um, Very talented striker. In goal, friend of the show, Aubrey Bledsoe. Hey, see what I did there? I see what you did there. So that's my team. Friend of the it. show. Friend of the show. There's Bledsoe. a lot of friends of the show in there. It's just, listen, I, I like... Had Becky I, on, had Rachel on. Yeah, support women's football, so, you know, speaks for itself. So now we need Kelly Smith and Sam Kerr to be on your show. Is that, are you putting that out in the universe? Somebody let them know that I am ready to record with them. Oh, they're ready. They know all about your show. <laughs> well, it's that. wildly popular. It's worldwide, global. Yeah, sometimes you just need to get in the algorithms. You know, you can get political stuff in there, but sometimes you need to get some podcast stuff in there as well. Well, you up for some fan questions? Absolutely. Me. Don't be trying to read my book. Was this from Twitter? Fan question. Is this this all happened on Twitter? This not is hilarious. all of them. Not all of them. So where did this come from as well? Then there's multiple sources of kickback with Natum sharing on social. All right, then let's roll. Because some are Insta, some are Twitter. Go on then, let's roll. Some we got DM'd. Let's roll. Okay, are you ready? Let's roll. So CJ Mills thirteen wants oh, hold to on, know. Hold on, hold you on. Know him. Have I answered some of these already? Because I answered some of these on Instagram. Well, why did you do that? <laughs> because because <I> just... <laughs> now answering them privately on Instagram is not for the world. So now you're going to answer them for the world, right, cool. regardless if you've already answered. All Hopefully, right. you don't say something different. That would be awkward. All right, cool. Let's go. So, yet again. Yeah. CJ Mills thirteen. Mm-hmm. What other sports have you always wanted to try but haven't because of your professional obligations? So, CJ, what I would like to say is that I lied to you when I said skiing, but I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Too cold? Yeah, I prefer warmer sports. So, um, things that I've not been able to do, I don't know if it's technically a sport, but I think I'd like to go skydiving at some point. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, but you know. Face first, down towards earth. It's fine. With a parachute. If it works. Always works. Always. Six, <laughs> no one's ever died from skydiving and their parachute not 60% opening. 60% of the time works every time. Well, you know, whatever. Um, this person wants to know, would you rather score one goal in a World Cup or a hat trick in a league final? You the, would just be the, happy to score in general. Thing but... here, the real awkward thing here, like I'm going to have to reveal this to, um, to the fans out there, or the listeners rather, is that myself, Sky, and Ryan every every blue moon, we, we all run the Instagram at the same time. So sometimes I'll be in my house and I'll see that I've posted something because it says on my watch that like I've just posted something on my on my page. I'm like, oh that's cool. I wonder what I've said. So I'll go and have a look. <laughs> and on this particular occasion, Sky has asked me some questions and I've answered the questions. So I'm gonna have to try and answer the questions again. Don't mess up. So um the answer as you know my friend is I would rather score in a World Cup final. Oh, you say World or Euros? It's a World Cup. World Cup, no questions. Or a league final. League. What about Euro? Throw Euro in the mix. Why not? Nah. It's World Cup because it's Nigeria, so it's fine. Oh. Well. No hat trick? Nah. You'd nah, be nah. happy with just one goal? One goal in the World Cup final. Like, the only thing bigger is, for my, in my opinion, is the Olympics. Would you rather do World Cup or Olympics? Uh, I'd rather score a goal and win in the Olympics, yeah. Wow. You're going to go to the next thing, the Intergalactic that's in, that's Cup impressive. or what? Huh? No, nothing going. So I, didn't get, I didn't catch that. What? It's all right. Ryan got it. You can see him laughing. He got it. <laughs> He's just judging me. Anyways. So what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about being a footballer represented in the media or on social? Is this from someone in England or the USA? I didn't stalk them. Well, you should stalk them because there are two different answers to that. Well, that's what it... There's a follow-up that says, do you think it varies by country or league? Ah, uh, yes. So, um, regardless of the sass you tried to deliver... Um, 
I think being a footballer in the UK, it, well, to be fair, I can't I can't be too detailed about other countries because you know I've not really played in say other countries around Europe and so on. But in the UK specifically, the there's a lot of scrutiny because it's by far the biggest sport. Like it's a sport for everyone. You know, not everybody yeah. plays it, but it's accessible to everyone. And one thing I try and tell my teammates over here in the USA is the fact that when you play for Man City, Man United, Leeds, whoever, you don't just represent that team, you represent the history of those cities. Like teams don't move around like say they do here in terms of franchise or whatever. So you feel the pressure and the scrutiny of playing and the weight of playing for that city and that team and that history. Like some of these teams are 120, 130 years old. You know, that's very, very significant. That's not just two generations of supporter that you're talking. Exactly, it's an incredible amount. So everything that you do faces more scrutiny because it matters the game of football feels like it matters a lot more outside of the USA and like in the UK than it does here in the USA. And as I say, it's, it goes beyond just playing games. Like this is, people would work hard Monday through Friday to be able to get themselves a ticket for Saturday. And if it might've had a tough week at work and if you're not trying your heart out on the Saturday or you deem to not be good enough, these people will let you know for a fact, like there's no questions about it. You're not there for their entertainment, essentially. You're there to represent them, you know, and how would they do it? They would love to be able to do what you do. And if you just come in and you're like half-hearted in this and half-hearted in that, then it doesn't, you're not going to be welcome there. So the scrutiny is always going to be a lot greater because they want to see like, are you really being a professional? Did you really need to do that? Does it appear, are you greedy? Are you selfish? Are you this? If you have any of those negative traits against you, they don't go away. So when, if it doesn't work out in one place, when you go to the next place, people already judge you and they think that, well, we don't like him, even though they don't even know you. So everything you do faces the most amount of scrutiny. Like when I came over here to the USA, people, I think it might have been you and Bobby, were saying, oh, what's your Instagram handle? What's your Twitter or whatever? I'm like, what? You think I got a public account? <laughs> I ain't got no time for that. But over here, you give it, they share it all the time. And people are really friendly because it's a different type of energy. People talk about going to games because it's a good atmosphere. You know, it's fun, bring the kids. I'd tell my wife previously, don't bring the kids to a game in England because like, you will hear some you, things. You won't know what you'll hear. Exactly. Like, it's a completely different environment. It's more like right people police. going to war. Yeah, it's more like people, not necessarily right police all the time, but it's more like people going to war and showing incredible amounts of passion than it is coming to see an event like it is here. Like, no one is late for kickoff. Nobody misses a goal. Like, this is do or die Saturday, 3 p.m. Like, this is the high point of the week, potentially. And so it's completely different. So the scrutiny is very, very different, yeah. Do you think people are misrepresented through media? Oh, a lot of the time, yeah, a lot of the time. Like if you, it it can work both ways though. Like if you are someone who's highly favored by the media, like subconsciously that you can do no wrong. Like it doesn't matter yeah, what you're doing. Like that's fair. When, you, when it comes down to, say, when I used to care about ratings and stuff, player ratings would always feel like this. There'll be some players who start at seven and if they have a bad game, they drop to six. And there's some who start at four and if they have a great game, they go up to a six even though like one person's had a great game and someone's had a bad one, they'll both get given the same rating because one person's fancied by the media and the other one's being called something else. And from when someone has a preconceived idea in their head about somebody, whether they're lazy, they're this, they're that, they're whatever, like they'll just roll with it. Like when I do my media stuff back in England, like I always try and call people out when they start doing that because they talk about things that really aren't the case. Like when we play, if a team doesn't go out and press the opposition, it's because they've been told by the manager not to, yet still there'll be someone in that team who'll be getting criticised for not pressing. But all he's doing is doing his job. 
Doing some, what he's told exactly. by the man who controls his minutes. Exactly. But instead, they'll be like, look how lazy this person is. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. But So it's annoying because some of those people that say those things, they worked in football, so they know it was a thing. But very quickly, they take that hat off and just put on the other one and just start just going for things. Like, football was the best game ever in their time and nothing ever went wrong. Like, it's just, you're so deluded, some of these people. But, yeah, I think, I think your perception in the media matters a lot because as a fan... If you really want to know how good every team is or how good every player is, you'd have to watch every single game and watch a, watch a lot of games for every single player, but you don't. So instead you're left with people who are going to summarise who's playing well individually and which teams are playing well collectively. And if their opinions are leaning one way or the next, before you know it, you all start to believe those same things, even though you've got nobody work to say that that is actually right or wrong. Well, at the end of the day, you're all just people. No, not really. No, you're not. You're no. not a human being. No, we don't get treated like that as such. You try you try and go in England and try and, as a player, get sympathy for anything. But that, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying just in general, like, you are human and you just do the best that you can. And I know people don't yeah, always no, get that credit. Yeah, yeah. No, like, they'll scrutinize, they'll treat you less than human, mm -hmm. but not every, I'll be you honest, are human. I'll, I'll, like some of the fans will say, not every player gives, a, gives 100%. Not every player does, but the vast majority of players do. We're talking 90% upwards. Yeah. But some, when things are going wrong, they get made the scapegoat. And they're just doing the absolute best, as you say. But unfortunately, that's just not good enough for some. Tragic. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike Potts wants to know, do you keep in touch with players who were in and around the youth setup when you were going through academy and everything? Um, mostly the ones who made it, you know, because I'm big time like that. Oh, yeah. but now, Chip on that shoulder. Now, there are a few players who... Uh, say so I'm really good friends with some uh, twin brothers Nathan and Jonathan Delaye who were in my academy team for five six years but they didn't end up playing for as many years as I did and like, I think they're both teachers now so you know I speak to them they're probably the big two who didn't make it who I speak to the most or who I'm closest with but aside from that it has been people like Michael Richards Joe Hartz and stuff Casper Schmeichel as well like he was in my youth team so yeah I do I do speak to I do speak to quite a few of them but it's not as often as, say, I would like to. But, you know, when I eventually return to the UK, I'm sure I'll be finding them a lot more. What are you looking forward to most about returning to the UK? Like, what do you look forward to the most? Well, one thing, it won't be the weather. Like, <laughs> when, I went, when I went from Manchester to London, I realized that Manchester's really wet because London was fairly dry. Then I went from London to Utah and I realized that, like, it rains like two, three days a month here maximum. I started to think this is this is fuck. So this is how the other people live, huh? Like even uh, our kid man Randy be like, "Oh, you never know with Utah summers and this." I was like, "No, I do know, I do know," because <laughs> I wore shorts for three months straight. Like it's it's gonna be hot, but yeah, going back home, um, the weather's gonna be nuts. But the, what I'm gonna look, what I'm looking forward to the most is being able to see my friends and family again. Like I, uh, so I lost I lost my mother in 2012. So she never got to see any of my kids and she would have been, you know, right up there with the best four of them. So in this day and age, you can't really take any day for granted. So to be able to have my wife and my kids and have my friends and my direct family and all this stuff really close, because a lot of them do live in that same sort of area, to have them really close to be able to share and have more experiences going forward. Because we've not lived in Manchester for eight years. So to be able to have some of those experiences going forward is something which, you know, like they're they're, not, they're invaluable because of, we've not been able to have that. And you never know in this day, you know, this pandemic's just come and taken so many lives away from people. And who knows what the long-term effects are going to be and so on and so forth. So, yeah, just to get the opportunity to be able to see those people again 
and to call that life a normal life again. Because at times it's like I'd go on holiday to see them for two weeks at a time, but to know that I have the foreseeable future with them. And like my, my eldest daughter says all the time, like, you know, she loves the time here, but she's, she misses her family, you know? So to yeah. be able to give that to her and, you know, to obviously get rained on, you know, and feel that consistency of like darkness at three o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> like, it's, it sounds wild, but it's very familiar, and it's what, it's what I miss. But what has it meant to you to go, you've built your career, you've been on this big journey, you've traveled everywhere, you've come to America. What's it been like for you to have your family and sharing this like unique lifestyle and having these experiences with your wife and your kids to come on this journey with you? Yeah, this, this, the specific American leg of it has been absolutely insane. Like, I've, I've lived in cities, lived in inner cities, and then I came into a place which not many people were speaking about. And I wake up every day as the sun rises behind a beautiful mountain range, flanked on both sides. And you travel down, you go to the south and you're in um, like the national parks. And it's like some of the most beautiful places on the planet. You know, that's a long way from where I was yeah. coming from beforehand. Like even I'll be at my house and I could see for 20 miles in every direction, whereas I'm used to being back home and being able to see maximum like maybe one based on the buildings around us and things yeah. like this. So it made me see a different type of life because I wasn't really an outdoors type person, but my family came with me. They've become out, we've become really significant outdoors people. They've been able to see me play the last few years of my career in an environment which isn't too hostile. And you know, obviously I miss certain elements of the hostility but they've been able to see me play. So it's something I'll be able to talk about with them when I get older. And they've been there, they've supported me through everything, whether it's good, bad, indifferent. And I've always had that moment where whenever a game is finished, I get home and my kids run up to me and give me a cuddle, regardless of whatever the result was. So to be able to have that true reality, overcome the false reality of what it is to be playing as a sportsman, like that's, that's massive to me because it, it keeps me grounded and keeps me focused on things which matter the most. So with that, I, without my family, you know, I'd be living and dying by the game, which is something which I was doing when I was a lot younger. But as you get older, you just realize that this is, this is life itself. So you don't celebrate the great moments for too long. You don't dwell on the bad times for too long either. And you just, you know, keep it moving. Well, how does, I guess you answered that a little bit, but how does Salt Lake City fit into your story and how does it compare to all of the other things that you've done? I mean, Man City, Sunderland, mm -hmm. QPR, like the youth English teams, like. It was Salt Lake's completely different place to that, but it's kind of at times it has a mentality of Manchester because this is the beehive state and Manchester is like the worker bee like city. Yeah. Like the connection is there. You can see that amongst a lot of the people, a lot of the same people. Um, so with that, like it feels familiar, but it's also very, very different. Um, and those places that were at, that was at before, it was it was great. The opportunity to play there was incredible. Playing in the Premier League, playing in the Championship, playing internationally under twenty one level, and so on. Obviously, I didn't quite make the grade in terms of the full Nigerian team, but who knows? There's still time. Um, but all that stuff was great. But then to be here in Salt Lake, and it feels like a really unique experience because it's a place I never thought I would end up. But I have the opportunity to play in the MLS, be around some really good people. Obviously, some really good people have left the building as well, but be around some really good people. And as I say, be able to go on adventures. And I think from when we had it, we had our kids, like our mentality's changed because it's not about us anymore. It's what can we do with them? And this is a place where we can do an infinite number of things with them, with the kids. Whereas beforehand, when it was just the two of us, we were traveling the world, we were going here, going there, going wherever. But that doesn't fit for where we are right now as people. So to be here, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's the perfect moment. You said when you came to Salt Lake, you wanted to come to America, you wanted a different experience. Yeah. You wanted to put yourself out there. 
has it I mean, I know season's still happening, you're still playing, all mm-hmm. that, but up to this point, up to this moment, has it met what yeah. your ideal would be for it, it did different? The, yeah, it did in the first in the first uh, season and a half because like, I was traveling around to cities, playing in stadiums, which I never even thought I'd go to before, and learning about what it's like to play in a different league, play a different style of football, play against players who've never played against before. At the age of 31, I think it was, maybe 32, I was playing for the first time against this person or against that person, and it seems normal. But where I came from, I played against some people for 10 years straight, two times a year, you know? Yeah. So it takes you back to that moment, kind of like when you first start to make it, when you first coming onto the scene, you're making your debut because everything is new. And those are the moments where you're, you're the most wide-eyed and things like this. So I had a wide-eyed moment in terms of playing playing football at the age of 32, 32. And like, that's so fortunate because it energizes you, gets you to the next stage because it forces you to always be at your best because you have to learn a new situation. Whereas at times you can get very, very comfortable if you choose to stay in the same one forever. You know, you can keep progressing, but then why do you need to progress when it's still the same person you're playing against? Because you've, you've only played against them like for like 9,000 minutes so far in your career, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that was when I came and I started playing, it was great. The facility was great. The the training facility, the stadium, the stadium was great. Like the fans overall have been exceptional to me from from the get go, and we were, we were a good team as well. And we felt like we were always getting better, and you know we still are. So it was definitely the experience which I wanted. And what some people don't know is, before I came, I actually had two offers on the table. I was over in Salt Lake, and I was meeting uh, the coach at the time. And then my agent was with me, Andy Mashita. He uh, he got a text from LAFC saying if I wanted to come, as I was in Salt Lake, and it seems a bit crazy that someone would choose Salt Lake over LA. But for where I'm in my life, Salt Lake's a far better option to me than LA. And yeah, it's been it's been quite an experience. Why was it a better option? Firstly, because they said that they I should come in. I came, it was almost two years ago to the day, so it was September 2018. They said, why not come in until the end of the season, which would be November, December time. And then they'll see if they can offer me a year after that. But I'm trying to, if I'm coming to the USA and bringing my family, so Salt Lake said, you come to the end of the year, you've got the guarantee of the next year, and if you play three quarters of the games, we'll give you another year. So I knew that my family could come for at least 15 months. If I didn't play 75% of the games, it wasn't meant to be that I'm supposed to be here anyway, but I believe that I could play at least that if I was to be selected, because like, I think I'm a good enough player. So I, I played the first season, then the next year, Played over 75% of the games. We're having a great season. And I really enjoyed it. So, of course, I wanted to stay there. I didn't want to go anywhere else. So now I've got the next year guaranteed. And in that time, like, there we go. I've now brought my family to a place where they felt secure, stable. They've been in school for two years, booked in consistently. Because like, that's another thing. Like, kids in schools and stuff is a nightmare. You don't want to go from this place to that place to wherever. So, Salt Lake guaranteed stability that wasn't solely just based on the first six weeks in myself in the country. And then, as I say, I'm in a place where the pace of life is perfect for who myself, my wife, and our kids are as people because we don't necessarily want the bright lights all the time. Like, it's nice to have it, but it's nice to know that there's a park at every two miles or the people aren't going to freak out when they see children walking around. Like, it's normal to have children in this space. So as a consequence, you can relax and be yourself, and that's, that's all I wanted, really. Do you have, like, a motto that you live your life by? Ooh... I don't think I have, not one that I've consciously thought about, but like, as I say, as I said earlier, like hours ago earlier, it's just add value, you know, just be worth something. 
Like, don't don't be useless. You know, whatever the situation is, can you make something better? Yes or no. If you can't, don't make it worse. And for me, I think I can make certain things better. So I always try and try and do that whenever I can. So I suppose that's it. Just add value. I think that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> you got any, do you have any last words, sir, that you would like to add? Last words. Okay. So last words, last words, last words. So I was thinking to myself, if I was going to record in a podcast while you weren't here, I was going to dedicate a section to you. But because you're here now, I'm going to do it right here. Oh, so <laughs> I just want to say, like, this is the this is the last possibly the last recording for Skylar work in this studio. Skylar is a very 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 good friend of mine. She was she was quite frosty at the start. Didn't want to give me any attention whatsoever, even though I was trying to be nice to her. But at some point this year, she finally understood me. And I think she understood me at a key time because it was a time where things were going terribly wrong all around her. So I thankfully she finally listened and understood that I was trying to do the best for her. And I was delighted to have her finally come on the show and help with the show. The show wouldn't be what it was without, obviously Ryan, because he's 95% of the work. But Skylar's the other 4% and I'm, I take the one. So I'm going to miss you in the studio. I'm going to miss you as a friend because what you're, you've been one of the highlights in terms of my experiences at this football club. Because I remember when we first went oh, to preseason and I'd, call, and I'd call you just Texas. Do you remember? I'd say, yeah. what's that Texas? What's that I was Texas? like, he doesn't know my name. Yeah, I didn't. But yeah, I used to call you Texas because I remembered where you're from. But here we are now all this time on and like the club doesn't, the club might never know what they've let go. Utah might never know what's leaving. But I know Texas is going to regain something which is special. So I'm very Thank happy you. to call you my friend. And, you know, this show would be nothing without you. Like, I, I hate social media. So, you know, to, to live in this world where I have to do social media and You're like, such a avoid dinosaur. it. Say, literally such a dinosaur. <laughs> but I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. And just know that, like, you're very close to my heart. And thank um, you. yeah, I'll miss you. It's just going to be an absolute like sausage fest now going forward. Well, all those minutes on the basketball court, you know, <laughs> yeah. we were friends before the podcast. This is true. This is true. Yeah, you told me. I how, feel told like me how to you're hoop. totally just disregarding all those minutes we no, got, no, 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 getting your all. shot up. Not at all. Not trying at to get all. you to dunk. Not at all. That's why I said. That's why I said we're friends and we're very, very close. It wasn't because I sit in the studio once a week for an hour. It goes beyond that. So thank you very much. And I appreciate everything you've done for me, bringing me on. No. You and producer Ryan have been great. Listen, if I had it my way, certain people who've made your life a misery in this year would get trapped in a cellar and stay there till the end of time. But fortunately, I don't have that level of power. So just know that I appreciate you and lots of other people do, even if they don't realize it yet. We'll just keep FaceTiming. Yeah. Just pick and choose your moments, though. Okay. Well, I'll try to be more delicate yeah but yeah but as i say thank you i will miss you in the studio i'm sure the listeners will be able to realize when it's just me and ryan posting stuff on social media because it'll be two out of ten content but yeah we'll we'll uh, miss you i won't miss your typos on social media though which i get That's called fine. out on all the time yeah but yeah and then you'd call me out so it's not like i'm skating by scot-free no 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 i think sometimes you just gotta watch where you put the apostrophe for mondays but you're yeah right, it's fine right. it's fine but i appreciate you like I'm Mistakes sure everyone, happen. I'm not perfect. No, you can do better though. But anyway, you're right, I can. But anyway, as I say, you're friend for life, and uh, yeah, thanks for everything. Thank you, guys. You need to let me know what you think about Skylar's hosting skills, and you know how to do that. And it is on Instagram and on Twitter, because the handle is Kickback underscore Nadem. Isn't that right, Skylar? That is right. That is correct. But honestly, thank you for everything you've done for this show. You've brought maybe one or two listeners, one or two followers and stuff on social media, and they are all invaluable. I hope they didn't abandon ship after this. <laughs> we'll soon find out. But I think a lot of people like your voice as well. Uh, I guess um, that's a positive for you because you, you sounded pretty nervous in my opinion, but that's, that's the way it goes. Audio. 
that's not my thing. And I know, and the video as well. Yeah, These... I'm not on camera ever, and that changed today. No, <laughs> it, it did, but thank you very much for that, because I always feel like I've got a lot of stuff to say, but I can never really say it because it's not about me, this show, but you made it about me, so you really did kick back with Nadem today, didn't you? Yeah, we did it together. Yeah, yeah so thank you, to, um, thank you to everyone for listening, and thank you mostly to Sky for hosting, and thanks for everything you've done to this point. You know, you are a very, very good friend. Thanks for bringing me on the team. <laughs> it's all right. It was a pleasure to, like, have like a really good person in the studio instead of just Ryan all the time but yeah th thank, thanks for everything and you're welcome you will be greatly missed coming oh, into you. the studio will not be the same now that you will no longer be here like it means we'll start on time and stuff but honestly thanks for everything and I've got to say as well thank you to Martinez Studios in Draper, Utah thank you to the main man producer Ryan finally in the back room for once instead of just like a Zoom call thank you to yourself Sky for being an absolute legend and thank you, lastly, to the listeners for being awesome, like always. And just know that there's more content to come, but it might be missing that little bit of je ne sais quoi. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fancy. That's a fancy word of saying fancy. Fancy. Yeah. So anyway, stay safe and stay tuned. Speak to you soon. Let's, let's try that again. <laughs> I hate oh, everything. This is terrific. Can this Nadem is the best leave? ever. This is the best ever. walk out the door. This is literally I don't, the best my, ever. This is the why I hate audio because like now there's all sorts of things that I've said that aren't right. No, go on. Just, just, that are going to be used against me later. Get speaking, get speaking, get speaking. <laughs>